Welcome to Sunday Chats 969, the podcast where you can listen back to interviews that were first broadcast on All FM 96.9. We are an award-winning community radio station based in Manchester, and on today's episode we are welcoming author and performance poet Andy Milliken and celebrating the release of his second poetry collection, Something Wicked There Grows. We're also chatting about him being a regular performer at Word Central in Manchester and the writing that he's done as part of the Write Out Loud writing group. We're celebrating Andy's 50th year writing poetry this year as well. And the amazing thing is, not many people knew that he was a writer for most of that time. Welcome back to the second hour of the Sunday Tea Show right here on 96.9 All FM on your radio, allfm.org, wherever you are in the world, online. You're joined by me, Ruth O'Reilly. Delighted to be keeping you company on this second hour. And my... Special guest for hour two is the fantastic Andy Milliken. He's a, an author and poet for over 40 years. And we've got you on the show today to, to celebrate the release of your second poetry collection, Something Wicked There Grows. Great to speak to you, Andy. Good afternoon, Ruth, and thanks very much for inviting me here. Oh, it's really good to have you on the show. It, it's just coincided really nicely with this um, natural theme that, that Ali started in um, in, in hour one. And um, I must say to you, Andy, when, when I looked at the, the cover of this book and, and I heard it's titled Something Wicked, This This Way Grows, I thought, well, Andy has spent a small fortune on a getting uh, vegetables in the news, hasn't he, just so that he can promote his book? <laughs> no, not really, not really. Um... Now the background is that um, a couple of years ago, um, one of my stepdaughters, Sally, um, got uh, an allotment in, on a site in Glossop where we are. Okay. Um, and so that was in lockdown, and me uh, and her mother helped her get that ship shape, shall we say? And um, and then we were fortunate enough last summer to get our own as well. Ah. And I'd already written the first one about two years ago. Right. And of course, last year, having spent so much time on the allotment, mm. all these ideas came came uh, to mind and I started to kind of compose um, a small selection. And then, and then, of course, the idea grew then to think I should really gather together um, a small selection, collection of poems based on allotments, um, invent some characters, because I do like doing narrative poems and uh, making up characters to go with them. And, um, Wonderful. And, and produce something. And how, how many poems are, are in, in this book? Just 20. 20. Are they all performance ready? Because you are a regular <laughs> at, at Word Central. It's like we've been talking about Word Central um, with, with Ali. But I've, I've been going to Word Central on and off for, for many years. Um, not so much since COVID, but I, I just happened to, to see you at, at the last um, event. And I was really glad to see that, you know, you, you were still performing because you, you've been one of the, the first people that, that's performed regular there, I believe. Yeah, I think I'd, I started pretty much after Word Central started at the library. Um, 
that was part of my, shall we say, coming out process that I like to say. That's very interesting. You were, you were telling me about this and I found it to be the case with, with a couple of people actually where um, they do somehow feel that they need to, to come out and say that they're a poet. And uh, well, what was that process like for you? I, I got it wrong. I said that you've been a poet for, for 40 years and you corrected me and said it was 50. And Absolutely you don't. 50. And it's my golden anniversary. Oh, wow. This year? 50 years, eh? Oh, so we're celebrating. <laughs> he doesn't look. This is radio, but he doesn't look old enough, dear listener. Honestly, he doesn't. You look younger than 50. So. Thank you. Very kind. Um, when did you first come out then with your poetry when I, then? When I first came out, it, it, more or less, uh, about 12 months before I retired actually, I think it was probably about 2017, so I've been writing for all these years, churning hmm. out poems, just kind of, you know, um, in the shadows, I've entered lots of competitions and in the 90s I was very, very fortunate to have um, nine or ten poems broadcast on the BBC. Um, wow, you were no stranger to radio, yeah, so that, no, that's good. And, um, and so I was quite fortunate like that, but then I've just carried on with work and one thing and another. And then I remember speaking to somebody probably about six years ago, and they said, oh, you need to, uh, you, you need to go on the open mic circuit. What's the open mic circuit? Okay. Did a research, um, realised that Word Central was clearly probably one of the biggest and the best. Mm. Because it's right there in central Manchester. Absolutely. And so I uh, joined that. And I more or less, at the same time, discovered a small group in Stockport, um, Stockport Poets. And there's a small group there, hardcore, of about 12 or 13 of us. Uh, And they, too, are a really uh, brilliant group of people, some fabulous poets there. And so with those two groups, completely uh, different groups, um, I've come out blossomed I suppose yes oh wow yes to stay with with, with the um the the gardening theme but the the Stockport writing group is that part of of write out loud because I know you're a contributor of of that website you're like my my second guest from from the write out loud um website is it it all connected um the write out loud um group no sorry I'll restart that the shall we say the organizer of a Stockport Poets group is also one of the main contributors organizers to write out loud Ah. again that's something else I I didn't know existed until about six years ago when I joined that wow so all these things came together yeah in the stars clearly ah in in, in this beautiful connection for you so I'm I'm really interested with because I don't think I've ever come across it you know everyone wants to be known for what they do these days you know Think of like a teenager or someone in their 20s now. They could never keep such a talent to themselves for as long as you have, Andy. (laughs) So what was it like keeping all that talent to to yourself? I mean, did you just like write for your friends and family? No, not even for friends or family. Okay. Um, It was just something I started in 73 with a poem about Bobby Charlton, if any of your listeners might remember the famous footballer Bobby Charlton. I started Mm. with a poem about him. Um, and I've just kept going and um, there are many more poems long since hit the bottom of a waste paper bin uh, that I actually have you know since that that day but I had a really fabulous English teacher at school okay um, who I kind of one day shared I did a bit of writing and and she she encouraged me and she she was fantastic Uh, and of course through 
um, decades of growing up, I've just managed to keep it up, really. Mm. Um, and as I say, entered competitions, been completely oblivious to this underground, or now <laughs> this circuit that's out there. Um, but thought, oh, you know, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. It's so surprising to me to hear that uh, about you, Andy, because, you know, every month that I would watch you at, at Word Central, you you seem to take to it. You were such a natural. You took to it like a duck to water, didn't you? You know, you, you go up there, you perform your poem. And one of the things that, that I always recognised in, in your work is you seem to, to write on, on, on topical uh, events. You, you seem to, you know, always write around what, what's been going on more or less at the time I think that's very true currently um, you if you were there a, a week last Thursday at the last event and I uh, read something which is very topical and I'm mm. one of my current projects is in, in inverted commas I'm calling my kind of Shakespearean monologues oh, okay so I'm rewriting <laughs> a number of Shakespeare's um, famous speeches like to be or not to be, yeah, uh, and I'm rewriting them in a contemporary uh, way, and so I've I'm building up a kind of steady group of those, and um, I might be able to put something out next year about that. Um, but those are, as Shakespeare would have done it, those are monologues to be read, performed, ah. sorry, absolutely performed, you know, and they I do think they come across completely different on the page as mm-hmm. to when they are performed. It's something that I was talking t- to Ali about because, you, you know, you, you were there for her f- fantastic, um, invigorating performance of of, of her poem and, and I was uh, discussing about, you know, the whole performance, um, writing a poem for, for the page or, or for, for the stage and I'm wondering, do, do you go through, through any of that process? That is something since I... That is something that I definitely started when I began to perform mm. in various venues. Um, it's clear that some poems, when you start them, you go, this is to be performed, because it will not transmit the same yes. on the page. And so I actively do do that on occasion. But with this latest project that I'm, I'm working on, the idea is probably a bit like Shakespeare. Not that I can emulate him, obviously. But I am trying. Not only <laughs> is it readable on the page... Mm. Um, with various metaphors and similes mm-hmm. of a contemporary nature, but actually to perform them as well. Um, wow. So I've got one about the NHS, I've got a couple about the war in Ukraine, mm. one about Putin. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and one of the first one I did was um, about warm spaces and the government initiative prior to Christmas, where um, local communities were given money. Um, to open up various spaces, community halls, pubs and venues as a place for people who were really struggling with the cost of living mm. crisis where they could go um, and get keep warm and get a cup of tea or coffee and a sandwich and so on. And that initiative is really, I suppose, a catalyst that, that made me write the first one. Mm. Um, I thought it was quite a simple transition from... Uh, to be or not to be, to heat, to eat or to eat. That ah, is the I think I read that poem on on Rice Out Loud actually. Yes. And I and did. this um that this Levenshulme Old Library for anyone who who's not aware we we are actually in um a, a converted space there that used to be a, an old library. But we are one of these warm space hubs. Every every Monday we we do it. 
Ah, so, so we are going to have that poem fr- from you very shortly. But one of the things that I always like to do when I get a guest in is get them in training for, for Desert Island Discs because you, you, you know it's, it's coming, don't you? I mean, it's, <laughs> it has to be. There you've been in the, in the shadows for, for X amount of years. It, all the fame is coming t- to you. So, so we're going to have some, some of your selections. Um, I know that some of them you have like little bits of stories or memories towards. So I was thinking that we'd start with, with Bus Stop because I think you got a bit of a story about this or early memories. Yeah, Bus Stop. Um, I've got two much older brothers, much older. Okay. In their mid-70s. Oh, wow. And uh, joking apart, of course, they grew up um, with the Beatles and the Hollies mm. and all that kind of uh, musical genre in the 60s. Um, and being anything between five and ten during those years... Um, you know, I was subjected to what my mother and father were subjected to through, oh, okay. through, through this small dance set. I don't know if you're aware of what a dance set was. Dance it's a very old-fashioned record player. Oh, is it a wooden thing? Yeah, and um, it, you lifted up the lid. And oh, it, yeah, it, yeah. We had a, a light blue one, a sky blue one, but they came in a bright red as well. Okay. Um, and, of course, my brothers would play um, Beatles and Hollies endlessly on there. And one of the songs um, that always takes me back to one of my brothers is the Hollies and bus stop. Ah, and this has gone in by osmosis then, you could say. <laughs> bus stop, wet day, she's there, I say, we share my umbrella. Bus stop, bus go, she stays, love grows under my
the Hollies there. That was the first choice of my special guest live in the studio today. It's the wonderful author and performance poet Andy Milliken. We can call you a performance poet now, can't we, Andy? Um, yes, I suppose. <laughs> especially since um, I started a, a, an open mic in Glossop last September. Have you? Your own open yes. mic? Yeah. So, 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 so where, where is it placed? Uh, that takes place at Glossop Labour Club on the first Thursday of the month. Uh, 7.30 till 9.30. My timekeeping is atrocious. Anyone that's been in the last six months will know, i.e. last week we finished at something like 10 to 10. Uh, Right. What what time did you start, though? Um, 7.30. Okay. Wow. So, so, so you are giving people that yes. that decent uh, time to to express themselves. Are, are you outing? Do you feel that you're outing so it's a more poet? Because because Glossop is is more of a countryside area, isn't it? Is, is it? Does that change people's attitudes towards performing? Do you think? Um, oh, that's a very good question. I'm not certain about that. It does. It's difficult to get people out of the city sometimes out to what I jokingly call a hinterland of Glossop. Okay. But there's a really big writing community in and around Glossop Dale, as it's called, which which centres around the town and a number of um, close villages. So we're encouraging not only local writers to perform, many of whom in the last six months have never stood in front of a microphone. So I'm really, really, really enthusiastic about getting new people who've never done it before, like I hadn't done it five, six years ago to come and share their work with people. Um, It's a really friendly um, environment and atmosphere that we have. Um, It's something I'm really trying desperately hard to to promote. And we've done probably better than I envisaged six months ago when we started this. Um, So we have a guest performer like they do at Word Central. Oh, do you? Um, and we have a musical interlude as well. Oh, OK. And is that, is that to, to introduce your audience to, to new talent as well? Yes. Um, but we've had a resident uh, duo up to now, um, but unfortunately they're not available. So I will be looking for some, some new uh, musicians just to do a 10, 15-minute slot. Um, Gosh. You might get people travelling from far and wide for this, Andy. And yeah. I think yeah. it must make you so proud, though, because you, you know what it's like to like not be sharing your work or expressing yourself. It, it's true. And and so we, although we have a few regulars, I'm especially keen to, as I say, to promote new people and give um, a voice to those who have previously sat probably with their light under a bushel for too long, probably yeah. like I did, and say, you know, come and share it. It's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. People will love it. People will not condemn you for it. No, no, and they really do uh, applaud you as as well, Andy. So before we hear one of your pieces, I'm I'm just thinking about this whole performance um, side of things. H- how was how was lockdown for you? Because I, I saw you performing pre-lockdown, and then it's my first time to see you performing since since lockdown. But but how was that for you? Did you really miss it after like your your newfound sense of freedom and stuff? Do I miss lockdown? No. <laughs> no. Did, did, did you miss not performing um, during that time? Yes and no. Because what we... what The community, as it were, I think we're really quick to pick on the opportunities that Zoom would afford people. Yes. And, and so there were really very many um, Zoom-oriented um, open mics. And, and mm. I certainly joined the word central one i joined one in brighton and okay and, and the thing is of course with zoom 
Um, for instance, I occasionally dip into one now uh, that is run by someone I know, and the audience is literally from East and West Coast America, ah. someone that in from Australia. Gosh. And it's absolutely international, and that is the benefit of retaining a kind of Zoom open mic. Mm. And I guess as well, that gives you an opportunity to, to look at, at different perspectives and, and attitudes uh, from country to country. It does. You, you, you pick up clues um, about people's um, living conditions, living spaces. And, and of course, one of the magic things about it is you hear different voices. Yes. Um, in different dialects and different accents. Mm. Uh, and, and that can be quite stimulating in a way. Yeah, I think the, the Americans always love the British accent, don't they, and its variants as well. <laughs> That's true. They definitely do. So I think um, Zoom, for many people, actually gave them an opportunity to sit in the comfort of their own home and join an open mic um, and yeah. not necessarily be videoed, but just have audio. Ah, OK. And then they could progress, perhaps, to feeling more comfortable and then going on video as well. And you, you would understand a, a lot about that, I guess, with, with the, you kind of c coming out into performing in various levels. You, you, you've got a real kind of sense of appreciation on how someone, a potential poet or performance poet, would want to ease themselves into the situation. I think that's true. I, I think for many people, um, lockdown was um, a source of discovery about something in themselves. Mm. I think lots of people picked up a pen, picked up a paintbrush, yeah, um, and were able to discover a talent that was probably innate in them that they didn't know they had, yes. or they'd forgotten since they were small, and they were able to pick it up, especially and, and express themselves. Mm. And I think in there are many, many more people now I've discovered um, in the last twelve months who fight, who started to write during lockdown yes. and previously hadn't. Yeah, And for them, it's been a, a cathartic experience in a way. Mm. That's a big theme that I've been finding because I've been like interviewing new authors during the, the lockdown situation. And I think that people are reading a lot more as well, aren't they, as a result of that they phase are. of time. And re reading um, indie authors as well. So I'm really um, excited to, to hear one of your, your poems. Um the one that we're going to hear first is based on what we've just been discussing about the, the warm spaces, isn't it? It is. And I, I was quite privileged. Um, I got invited to an event at Stockport. They were one of the first, they were one of the pioneers and got off to a really early start at Stockport with their warm spaces initiative. Ah, OK. And on, the, um, on the launch, I was invited to um, go and read this. So I wrote it specifically for them. I tailored it to me. Brilliant. Uh, and um, so that was really good. Yeah. To do that. But it, that's kind of like showing you that your your poetry actually has purpose. I think this is one of the things with new writers. They think, you know, oh, who will be bothered or what's, what will be the point of this? Whereas what you're actually demonstrating here is um, poetry very much does have a point to it, yeah. sometimes a, a very serious point as well. You can, you can listen to and tap into the mood. Yes. Like. Yeah. Take it away. Warm spaces. To eat or to heat, that is the question. Whether it's better to eat to make my kids' hearts still beat, but anyway freeze our stiffening bones in our own home for lack of heat, gives pause for thought. It ought not to have come to this. To eat or to heat, perhaps we could do both. Alas, we cannot. 
So it comes to pass that I must choose one but not the other for my eight-year-old daughter and her younger brother are, are already cold when they come home from school because energy costs have gone up and food has too. And even though I have two part-time jobs, my wages haven't matched the rise in inflation. In fact, it's ages since I had a wage rise, but I shouldn't be surprised. It's like a game of TIG. I can never catch up, and I never will. So what should I do? To some, bean still means Heinz, but come, let us find an alternative on the shelves of despair. Does anyone care? Yes, they do. This winter we shall spend more time in community and church hubs or clubs where the search for comfort ends in warm places with hot food, people with welcoming hearts and kind faces. For the homeless, the poor, the struggling workers like me and the elderly just want to keep warm and keep hunger from the door. We seek only the comfort of heating, the necessity of eating, to end the question of whether to eat or to heat. Thank you, Andy. That that's so relevant to today's uh, current theme, and it's going to continue for for a good while. Yes, isn't it? Yeah. Um, as I say, that was one of my Shakespeare and contemporary rewrites. Um, mm-hmm. I've got another one here. I'm excited to hear this as well. All, um, all you need now is a skull. <laughs> uh, I've not brought that one. <laughs> Maybe um, a potato will do. Someone can carve a potato into I, a skull. I, I, actually, just as an aside, on Thursday I did do the Yorick one. OK. With, with a very, very poor prop. Oh, um, God. But we'll save that for another oh, OK. Um, so this is um, based on uh, The Merchant of Venice in a very famous speech mm. by Portia. Uh, and mine is called The Quality of Healthcare. The quality of healthcare is strained like an ancient oak. It weathers storms, severed limbs, groans, soaks up the weight of its own history. And while the NHS is in a mess, it no less deserves the support of those it serves. The Treasury hates an institution for which there is no solution to its spending, whose need is never ending. The public understand that banging pots and pans will not solve its problems, but they resolve not to let it go. So as its service slips like skin down greasy poles, they know the NHS needs some form of redress, but something better, not less. We rail against its crazed mismanagement, those who feast on their bloated wages supply least to its cause, their failed quotas, Every one a person, not a tick or a cross. It's loss of brilliant staff, the sick man of Europe still. Our former friends laughing at our bungling bureaucracy. Just pause a moment, take a deep breath. Our ner- not doctors and nurses are doing their best. Take this as a warning, don't dare have a stroke or a heart attack in the morning. Prepare for the worst. Don't take your chance in the back of an ambulance which parks outside A&E while inside they run a lottery with beds in corridors and wards and a takeaway hearse. Don't clog the manager's finely balanced spreadsheet. It's time to hanker for change. Get mad, not sad, at the state of this great institution, this huge tanker which needs turning around before it runs aground on the shores of privatisation, where stooges equity pirates and vampires wait to drink 
From the heart of a treasury pot they know tires of funding this behemoth they secretly want to break apart. And after the last drop of public spending drains from the narrowing veins, they will dismember the code remains. So remember, while the quality of healthcare strains, don't give up on it. Lift your cup of support to the lips of the NHS. It deserves nothing less. Go. <laughs> Thank you so so much for for that, um, Andy. It's um, it, it's so powerful, you know, and, and a lot of thought will have gone into that to kind of contrast it with the Shakespearean theme as well. I would love if you could read that. In, in the House of Commons. Uh, yes, so would I. <laughs> if, only, if only. Because, because, because you, you have um, thoughts about trying to contact Andy Burnham, haven't you? But, you know, he may be listening. Uh, well, yeah, I did. A, a, yeah, about four years ago, I, I wrote a poem. Um, a bit of a rant, but it started as a rant and, th- and then it morphed into something um, less ranting. But it's, um, it, it is called Trees. And um, okay. it's based on, I used to walk past um, a small square, Malta Square is just off Bridge Street in Manchester. Yeah. And there are about eight or nine trees there, eight trees there. And um, at least half of them would always have a plastic bag or a balloon. Oh, yes. Or some kind of birthday <laughs> celebratory balloon yeah. blowing in the wind. Mm. And I thought, for goodness sake, Mr <laughs> Burnham, just get someone to take them out. Um, and a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, um, who works for the council, um, and he said, oh, we've got other things to do, you know. Oh, we I thought... just go around. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that they had, they had other ones to put up. Like, they do change them. It's not the same blue and everything. <laughs> Every time, and 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 trees do seem to be a bit of a theme on, on today's show because we, we had lovely um, Ali Davenport there in 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 hour one, and of course you know spring is almost springing, isn't it? So so trees are coming back into focus now. Yes, my wife knows I'm a bit of a tree hugger. Um, oh, good. I do, I do I do love my trees. I must admit. Um, so I, I, I was, um, you know, really quite angry about this, and um, and and thought right. It has to have something to perform, and because I've, mm. I've done this at Word Central, um, but I've done a slightly different version at Word Central. This is a cleansed version. Oh, is it? <laughs> oh, oh well, phew! I was getting worried that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm excited to continue this this tree theme because I, I wasn't aware of of you having written about that. So, so to take it away. Trees. Across the small square, a fierce freezing wind whips bare eight trees, piercing the cold air. Ripped, shredded bags snag and grit branches as they thrash and flap like someone cold turkey or with the DTs. Flutter like defiant pennants under siege. Environmental technicians, their morning mission to sweep clean overnight litter, sit like two dead sheep in their new van hiding from the bitter wind. One man holds the sun, the other his social brother a star. Their politics made, they can't be undone. Please, please, Mr Mayor, say you'll squeeze some funds and get these lazy people off their fat bums. Get them a cherry picker. I'm sick of commercialised plastic, flapping like maniacs, strangling our trees. Do something drastic, please. Something simple, yet fantastic. Help free the city's trees from plastic sleaze. Come on, 
pull your finger out where's your clout to do something some of us actually care about and not your northern bloody powerhouse whatever that is where you quaff fizz kiss and fondle big business your dead sheep laugh they know their sound because managers don't do rounds anymore inspect their patch of ground but we do alas we office workers passing through witness what they don't do their mickey take their need their creed to wag a little more work be non-committal to their task to keep this city square clean prepare its prettiness for the coming of spring it's all we ask free the city's trees I notice you and you're noticing me Breaking the habit, you're watching me sleep Oh, give me some time, let me learn how to speak I'm amazed to you That was Manchester Orchestra there. Um, one of the new discoveries of yours, isn't it, Andy? It is. Um, I, I was just trolling on the internet and I saw a group called Manchester Orchestra. I thought, what on earth is that? Who are they? Um, and then I discovered they're a kind of um, Canadian rock group and I've been listening to them for about 18 months now. 
Um, wow. And I like the lyrics and the guy, hmm. the vocalist, um, mm, not necessarily everybody's favourite, but I, I quite <laughs> like his voice, actually. Um, yeah, it, it, I think I it resonates with the lyrics that, yeah. that the band actually um, sing. Well, well, I was looking at the lyrics of, of that one because it, it was one that was that appeals to me. You, you just mentioned the band. You didn't specify which, which tracks that, that you liked. And, and that one gave me the impression that they do write some, some deep and meaningful stuff considering they're more on the rock side. They do. It's like anything. You, you, you do a bit of research and you think, crikey, this band's been going for years. And they've produced <laughs> about five albums. Where have I been? Where well, they've introduced me to, to them now because I'd never heard of them. But anyway, we want to hear some, some more of, of your poetry. You, you've been talking about the fact that you don't really want to be just seen as a serious poet, or, or your wife doesn't want you to just be seen as a serious <laughs> poet. I've always thought when I've read your work on Write Out Loud or, or if I've like attended a Word Central and, and I've watched your performances, that you, I've told you this, you, you, you're serious with... with um, with, with, with a subtle humour and maybe a little bit of, of sarcasm, even though it's always poignant. That's, right. That's a really good summary, actually. I must remember that. I must remember that summary. That's very good. But um, you wrote some humorous pieces during lockdown, I think you said. Yeah, our Stockport group produced three volumes of lockdown poetry. Three volumes? Three volumes Gosh. Um, and we found that it was just such an incredibly uh, rich vein to write about, even though you were stuck in and stuck at home mm. or, you, or you just walked all day. Uh, but certainly I did. Um, I probably did about, goodness knows, 40 pieces during lockdown. Wow. And we, as a group, as I say, produced three volumes. And one of them um, I sent off to a competition, a humorous poem competition, and um, uh, fortunately it won. Um, and it was about Gosh. something that lots and lots of men happened to lots of men during that. Okay. <laughs> Did you get a prestigious award for, for I, that, or just the title? Lockdown Poet of the no, Month? <laughs> I got a small check. Oh, that's, small check. That, that's fair enough, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so I'm excited to, to hear this. And I'm, I'm wondering what was the top topic dur during lockdown? Was it nature-based? One, one of the things I always said during lockdown was, you know, when they said you can't hug anyone, I said, like, well, at least you can still hug trees. So I'm glad to hear that you're yeah. a tree hugger. <laughs> I, I, I think it was uh, loneliness, one of them. Mm. Um, almost certainly loneliness, um, which affected people so so badly. But there were lots of other things that, that manifested themselves during lockdown that beforehand... Um, people were oblivious to and I think um, the one of the themes of this poem the central theme of this poem is something that really took off during lockdown and beforehand oh. sales must have been very very poor is it before lockdown I was going to say banana bread but it's not to do with that is it um, hmm, what could it have been no you, you, I'm lost men went so unshaven didn't they oh right right, right yes yes okay <laughs> So this is um, a poem called, it's a rock down, not lockdown, rock down, but you'll see the, the connection <laughs> okay. um, in a second. So we're three months into lockdown and my hair is growing wild. I feel I've turned the clock, clock back. I'm a prog rock music child. My flowing locks are grey this time. I sport a shaggy beard. I dream that I'm not past my prime. My wife just thinks I'm weird. So while I play my air guitar like Beck or Plant on stage, 
She says she doesn't really care and coolly turns a page. She's quite obsessed with shopping now online with Amazon, though I'm not certain why or how there's something going on. And then one day, the postman knocks. My wife calls out, I'll get it. And pleased as punch, she brings a box and on the table set it. Okay, she said, let's have you then. Put down your air guitar. Back to the future for you, Ben. It's where we really are. So take a seat. I'll nip upstairs to get your favourite slippers before I blitz that haggard hair with my super duper clippers. Oh, there, right there at the end. Clippers. Oh, wow. That was amazing inspiration for that. <laughs> and was that true in your case? Did, did you let your hair flow? Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, as soon as um, um, we ordered some uh, clippers and I can see myself sat outside in the garden in the sunshine being attacked. Um, so, yeah, um, it was <laughs> By quite the good, actually, because yeah. I let my hair grow for the first time for probably 30 odd years. Um, Gosh. But unfortunately, it didn't fill the gaps uh, that I now have. But never uh, well, you, you, you literally, you quite literally let, let your hair down in, in, in that case, and you'd have looked a real creative type. Um, but I love the sense of connection that came in, into focus with, with, with writing then for you during lockdown. I think that's something of an achievement that you got out of it. Yeah, I, I think um, to pick up on, on really important themes, and, and actually um, themes that before lockdown, and there were even words that didn't exist. So Zoom, yeah. for instance, if you think of Zoom, Zoom became a household word. Sure. Um, and so many people were doing Zoom. And I thought, you've got to capture the moment, the kind of zeitgeist of it. Uh, and so, of course, I wrote a poem called Zoom. Okay. Which was trying to capture um, four different people who were on Zoom. Because mm. one of the things that people would do on Zoom, you might remember this, mm. is they didn't listen to what people were saying. They didn't necessarily look at the person. They looked at the backdrop. And people were yes. often judged on the backdrop. You, you had there was a stage during the whole Zoom era where you needed to have the right kind of um, books in the background, didn't you? That that was one of them. Yep, absolutely. And of course, people, um, politicians, um, anybody and everybody was on Zoom, weren't they? Sure. Um, and um, of course, one of the things that that struck me was I started to make a special special notes about who was on there. Uh, okay. And then that, that came to fruition in, um, in this poem, Zoom. You know, it's a one-off. It'll never, I won't bother writing Zoom again. And no, it, 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 it was capturing a moment in time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Zoom. The guy in the tie, a local MP, has a beautiful arrangement of books. By size they reside so viewers can see how immaculately tidy they look. The nurse, whose purse sits behind her right ear, has a veritable mishmash of shelves, of photos and logos, some sadly unclear, of colleagues and friends enjoying themselves. The doctor has lots of journals and mags, a mountain of books plus pencils and pens, a card with a hard warning about fags, a type in supporting prostrate V-men. Judge not the backdrop of people on Zoom, be they rich or poor, or the young and old, in lockdown, the sanctuary of someone's room should be a secret never to be told. 
Wow, and that's from another book. So you've actually got another book out. Um, this is your third book. No, these are these are the um, uh, stop book poetry group. Ah, uh, so they were like anthologies. Previously. So we, these are three three anthologies that we poured out, and you can imagine eight weeks of lockdown, so six we've got weeks woven transitions, and we've got um, eight weeks of lockdown. And, Six weeks of lockdown. We really Gosh. poured ourselves into uh, into lockdown poetry. They'll be gone into a time capsule one of these days. They might even be studied by, by people for, for their A-level English and in days gone by and years gone by. <laughs> joking about, I think at one of our Stockport meetings, um, someone actually said we should take a copy of these and bury them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you know, that's Somebody going back to, 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 to the allotment theme. We'll get on to, to your new book after we've had another track from, from you. So, so, so what do you want? You, you know I don't have Leonard Cohen because we've already discussed this, but can you remember out of the, the other um, tracks that you suggested to me what you'd like to hear? Um, either Stevie Wonder or Mascagne. I don't mind. OK, we'll have a bit of uh, my Sharia more. Oh 
go wrong with a bit of Stevie Wonder there with my Sherry Amour. I, I have come to realise that, that you um, enjoy the, the French language, don't you? You've got a lot of uh, choices that are kind of based around French or Italian themes. Um, well... Coincidental? That's coincidental. Um, the, um, the, book, the new book... Um, Something Wicked, book. This Something Way Grows. Wicked, this Way Grows, yeah. Um, that, as I say, I spoke about it earlier, and that is just a, a, a some very, very small project in itself. But lots of the stuff I I write is observational poetry mm. based on people and characters you see um, going about their everyday business, um, who you quietly people watch yes. and take mental notes and think there's a story in that. But some some of the best poems, I feel, come from non-poetic licence, but real things that you see. Mm. And um, one of the things that comes to mind is um, a poem I wrote about a girl in a local Greg's um, who... Uh, and I was fortunate enough, it came third in international poetry competition. Oh, wow. Um, well done. In 2021. And... Um, so it's it's only short, but it's absolutely it, it just struck me as so um so obvious to people that went into the shop. Everybody must have seen it. And um and she almost seemed oblivious to it and wasn't afraid almost for people to see what she had. Ah. Oh, I, I love your, your way with curiosity. First you got me thinking, you know, what was it gonna be and it was clippers, so I'm I'm well into this. I'm looking forward to hearing what's that, so, the punchline of this. Um, so this was, um, this is called Hope Resurfaces for the Girl in Greggs. I saw your forearm as you got my sausage roll from the hot counter and placed it in a brown bag. The long line of cuts from your wrist to your elbow, a message, a plea, a cry for help, a hashtag to the light-minded of life blighted by self-harm. I would never have known from your warm smile, charming service, that you suffered any mental anguish of some kind. Yet there they were, neither new nor old scars, but that bright red in-betweenness where you wish they didn't itch so much, and the relief of cold water felt like the slow resurfacing of hope to bring you back to life, to manage, to cope. Oh gosh, that that's so poignant actually, yeah. And it was you that noticed it. So many people would be so dying for the sausage rolls, they probably wouldn't have even noticed. I'd be amazed if they didn't, but I, I just saw it. And, of course, straight away, I walk out of the shop and my mind is going, oh, there's, there's something there. Mm. You know, and you go off scribbling and, and about three weeks later, you get the finished article. So. Gosh. Is she still there at Greg's? Uh, no. OK. I do, but that suggests I go into Greg's all the time. <laughs> I thought that Greg's was a bit of an addictive place. Well, I know you grow your own things, as as we well, see on, on on the cover of this. I, I was so amazed to, to because you know if anyone uh, gets a chance to see the the cover of Something Wicked Grows This Way, they added to a, a delightful trio of misshapen vegetables, and that was why I thought they you'd are started. Potatoes, <laughs> believe it or not, they are potatoes that look like aliens. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad it's it's your own picture as well. Fantastic! You got some amazing titles and for for your poetry here. We've got hot on the plot. I, I like that one. 
Ghost of Youth, The Weeding Work, it, it goes on, 20-odd Tw- poems, and, that, and that's all in preparation for, for Glossip Book Fest? Yeah, um, I mean, I've written it um, for enjoyment, but the idea is that I'd, I'd like to share it with the allotment holders as well, and there's over 100 people on the particular allotment where we are. But within the Glossop allotment community, crikey, I can't believe I'm saying this, you know, there are two or three other plots as well where there are multiple um, plot holders. So um, I just want to get it out there and, and share it with it, share it with people. And um, fortunately, um, the National Allotment and Garden Society are um, going to print the title poem in their spring edition so um brilliant if i'm honest i'm really chuffed with that no i'm i'm very proud to to have you on the show ahead of um that them printing (laughs) that 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 for you that the fame continues andy it it really does so so, so can can we hear that 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 poem then something wicked this way grows every day she stands in the open doorway of her greenhouse Amazed at the spread and splay of limbs and huge leaves, her butternut squash somehow achieves with regular watering and loving care. She shares her joy with fellow allotmenteer Fred, who said it reminds him of a triffid. She laughs. Long after she's gone home, immersed herself in Dead Sea bath salts, a faint red glow rises and falls from below the giant leaves, and a call far beyond human hearing echoes across space and time to others growing on allotment plots across the land. Wow, thank you. And, and that's especially for, for everyone that enjoys that, their allotments. How are things going at the allotments now? Is, is the weather affecting it? You know, what, what's life I'm, actually like? I'm just the donkey. My wife and I, Tracy, we're, we, we're known as Disney and Donkey. <laughs> so Tracy's the, oh, the designer. Uh, and I'm just the donkey. I just do the donkey work. So I've been doing the donkey work for the last month in preparation, and she is just about to step forward with her magic preparation and planting, and I'm quite sure we'll have lots of things in the summer. Oh, well, you are the researcher. You're the one that's getting these allotments famous and, and out there, you know, so, so you're doing more than... Uh, you're planting seeds of a different kind. <laughs> that's, I like that. That's very good, Ruth. I do like that. I might take that, actually. Volume two. Oh, you're, you're free to take it. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to, to speak to you. We're all out, out of time now, but do you want to let our, our listeners know how they can um, connect with you? Because right? I know you've got your, your right out loud, but, but you, you're in the process of uh, establishing a, a website. Yeah, I, I've thought long and hard about it's time to kind of build a website. And um, my stepson, Michael, who's responsible for the... Um, colour scheme and, and fabulous job he's done with, with designing with this the, With the potato So I thing. might tap into him um, and say, can I have your help please for oh, a website? So say a big hello to um, Michael. Michael, Michael yeah. yeah. So um, I've got an Instagram account which... Um, is that your name, Andy Milliken, or is it specifically connected to Glossop Fest, Book Fest um, and the book? This um, is just something I've had in mind for ages. When I realised we were going to have a book festival in Glossop, and I'm on the committee for that, I thought, I need to get this printed um, rapido uh, yes. um, so I can attend the book fest and, and have a, a quite a hefty pile to uh, try and sell. Mm. So um, it's not, as I said, it's not about making any money at all. Um, it's just about sharing the work that you've done uh, with people in Glossop. 
Well, I think it, it is worth... Um, it is worth a lot, actually, and, you know, we look forward to, to seeing um, what happens for, for you next with that. And you have a way of winning competitions, so I'm sure more competitions are uh, are coming your way. You you could do with entering your potatoes into competitions even. People do that, don't they? Marrows and potatoes and <laughs> the poetic that, that potatoes. Will, I won't be doing that. Tracy will be doing that. I certainly won't be. <laughs> Oh, it's been great to, to have you um, on the show. And, uh, yeah, let us know when your next book is out because I'm sure it's, uh, it's there's going to be another book soon. Thanks very much, Ruth. Thanks very much for the opportunity to, um, to, to read and share some of my work with your listeners. It's, it's been really good. Thank you very much. Oh, you, you are welcome. And this is a book that is possibly going to be available on, on Amazon after yes. Bookfest. Yes. Okay, so, so we will keep listeners um, up to date with that. So thank you so much for being here today, especially all the way from Glossop on a Sunday in the weather like today. I do appreciate it. <laughs> Any last requests now for, for your, um, your, your Desert Island um, disc training? Could you manage to find uh, Mascagne Cavaliero Rusticano? Did you manage to find that? Let me have a look, because I'm, cause I'm sure I, I did, you know. But I can't find... OK, here it is. Yes. We will end with this. Have a fantastic week, dear listener. I've been Ruth O'Reilly. Been delighted to keep you company. Big thank you to the amazing Ali Davenport for being my special guest in our one. Do support Rye Bank Fields. And big thank you to the amazing Andy Milliken for being my special guest in our two. Next week, we are having more from the Write Out Loud crew with the fantastic John Bottrell and his new poems which are his autobiography in poetry the book that I inspired him to, to write in fact um, All Roads Lead to Malton till next time take care of yourselves bye for now